One. All right. Two. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fourteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. <laughs> 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 this is going to be a really good. Yeah. <laughs> 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 We're already plugged in. Welcome to Every Game in This City, a podcast about 10 game makers, curators and researchers who met up in Malaysia for a week to try and play every escape room in Kuala Lumpur. I'm Goldie Bartlett. I'm Jay Biddulph. I'm Stephanie Bullock. I'm Laura E. Hall. I'm Alexandra Lee. I'm Lee Shanglun. I'm Patrick Lemieux. I'm Amani Nassim. I'm Chad Toprak. And I'm Douglas Wilson. This week, we're also joined by special guest Teddy Deef, a game designer who worked on Hyperlight Drifter and who happens to overlap with us in KL. He joined us on our trip to Breakout in New Central, where for the first time we got to test out role-playing in the escape rooms, along with some of the most cinematic world-building we've seen yet. Thanks for coming back to episode four of Every Game in This City. I'm joined now by the full cohort plus a special guest. We have Teddy Dief all the way from the United States of America. Yes, it's true. <laughs> uh, let's start on 4th of July. On 4th of July. <laughs> burn, baby, burn. Oh, no. <laughs> let's, uh, this will be our political episode. So we're hanging out in Kuala Lumpur playing escape games, and it just so happened that Teddy was in town uh, being Teddy. And so we said, do you want to come along, join us for a podcast, play some games? And he said yes, uh, which we did all afternoon today. I think we had a pretty cool day. Uh, Teddy, did you have a good a good time? I had a great time. Yeah? I had a pretty cool day. Pretty cool day, <laughs> me too. Um, so those of you listening may know of Teddy's work. I would be surprised if you hadn't heard of uh, Hyperlight Drifter, for example, let alone some of the companies who Teddy has worked for. Uh, such as Disney and Square Enix, Microsoft. Um, he also started Glitch City in LA, which uh, sort of ties into some of the work that Chad does that we spoke about earlier. And I know him as a bit of a bon vivant. He's always hanging around looking looking cool and, and sharp and doing nice stuff. <laughs> Just like giving people gifts. Yeah, you know, kind helping people nice across boy. the road. He's a nice boy. Um, and a smart and a smart and kind one too. So we're very lucky to be joined by him coincidentally in Kuala Lumpur. Um, tell us a bit more about your experiences with escape rooms. Oh, they're so low. Um I think someone was pointing out to me today, I think I did more escape rooms today than I've done in my life. I think I've done two before. Mm. And I, I did three. I, yeah. Today. I I totally am in the same boat. I think we all are. Yeah. yeah. Mm. When I first heard about escape rooms, I thought they were like more physical. I thought it was like a trap. Like mm. and you had to get out. And then my like that those are my opening questions. It's like, can you break things? Like can you bring tools? Like, how do you get out of it? Did you find yourself using any thinking today that you might use in other game design circumstances? Whoa. Um, <laughs> I, this is the hard, this is the hard hitting. Like, like, right yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's connect these up, Teddy. <laughs> um, uh, 
I like to get out of the way in escape rooms. Sit back, percolate. Yeah, you know, let's connect it back, right? Like sometimes when you're in a discussion, you just want to let the best voices rise to the surface, and mm-hmm. I'm the rookie, so sure, sure, I sure. was just there to look for my opportunity to jump in with my specialty, which was um. Fantastic. <laughs> really yeah. good. Moral I'm support for that key. I, I feel like honestly, I would just slide up sometimes. And be like, hey Chad, how you doing, man? Like, how you feeling? You good? Yeah, okay. This is good. Though I think that's, that's perfectly em- enormously important on a team. How long did it take to make Hyperlight Drifter? Three years. Wait, can I, can I interrupt for for the audience? Oh, just yeah. in case they don't know, can we mm. summarize Hyperlight Drifter sure. briefly? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Good, because I, I would like to still say. Sure, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so yes, we made Hyperlight Drifter over three years. It started as a, a Kickstarter uh, success, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, we raised a good deal of money, um, funded us for about three years. Great. So, and uh, it is a video game. Yes, not it is a <laughs> digital video game available now. Single for player. Single uh, oh. co-op. Oh, co-op. that's right. I'm Full sorry, co-op. we played the whole yeah. thing co-op. No, no space between the oh, video really? and game. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a video one word game. Uh, for, yeah, PC, PlayStation, Xbox. Coming soon to the Switch. Hey. When, did it, when did it come out? It came out originally um, in March of 2016. Mm-hmm. And so, why, why did people really love it? Oh, um, I think, I mean, we actually went back to that question a lot when you do something like a Kickstarter um, as, you know, as early as we did in the process. Part of our evaluating where we were was to actually compare ourselves against the original video and see mm. like if we were living up to the promise of that. And what do you um, do in Hyperlight Drifter as a player? Uh, it is a action RPG, or you could call it a Zelda-like, although it's missing some of those elements. Um, cool. Oh, and I think it's got a, um, just from what my memory is conjuring up, it's got a very outstanding art style that was at the time uh, not one that we'd seen in video games before. Yeah, the short answer to why people liked it or why it stood out, mm. I think, was that um, Alex Preston, who was the creator and um, art director for it, had a painting background in illustration, and yep. he'd actually never done pixel art in any formal capacity. Great. So, I'm such a big fan of hiring artists into the video game space. Um, uh, well, it's funny, actually. Uh, boom, transition. Uh, we met through <laughs> Glitch City, which was the space right. that I thought you were going to say you met in an escape room. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Glitch City, much like an escape room. <laughs> Let's um, talk about Glitch City. What, what is Glitch City? Yeah, Glitch City is a, um, what is the word we use? It's a cooperative workspace in Los Angeles. Uh, it actually started out as a little bit broader. It wasn't specifically meant to be video games, and it has very much become video games just mm. because of the projects that have come out of it, or come out of the people who are members there. So mm. it's a, it's both a private workspace for like a group of members, about like 15 to 20 game. people. Mm-hmm. Not like a publicly available thing, mm-hmm. but we have some members, and then we also do many public events. So we do things from talk nights, like uh, when E3 is in town, we'll have talks and try to welcome in indies and other people. And that's where you met town. Alex, who? Alex Preston, mm-hmm. uh, who's the, again, creator of Hyperlight, who started that project. Um, he was one of the people, one of us, like the original like 10 people who met at his house, actually, to talk about... Mm-hmm. Can we do this? Can we get out of our bedrooms? Can we escape our bedrooms oh, and get wait, into hey. a bigger room? Oh, okay. And you did. And we did. With lots of style. That's good. <laughs> okay, cool. Doug seems to have a question. No, so maybe I'm jumping the gun here. So I have two questions about Hyperlight specifically that might tie mm. back to escape rooms. Feel mm. free to uh, deflect either question. Um, sure. One is i totally forgotten that it was co-op. And so obviously co-op is such a big part, at least of the uh, kind of traditional escape room you think about. So mm-hmm. so first, I'm curious if your work thinking about co-op on Hyperlight 
connects somehow to mm. escape rooms, or if the opposite, you see that kind of co-op play in, in totally different ways. And the other thing I just wanted to add to discussion is, at, at the risk of embarrassing you, someone who absolutely loved Hyperlight Drifter is, so, so for sure, Alex's art style, but you also got to mention uh, Disaster Pieces' yeah. music. Yes, yes, yes. So yes. as a music person. And, okay. <laughs> and, and which just absolutely loved the mood. soundtrack. Yeah. Um, and so the reason I'm talking about this is I also wonder, um, uh, you know, in terms of that, like, building atmospheres through sound and, and other methods like that might tie into um, kind of discussion of escape room moods and, and for me something that's been lacking in a lot of escape rooms uh, that kind of good sound, mood setting yeah, music true. and other things so anyway maybe to, uh, two, two aspects of your work I'm really interested in that might maybe connect to escape rooms so we're talking about, we're talking about disaster piece and we're talking about co-op, co-op. Yeah. So saying. pick either or, or neither yeah oh god I mean I, okay um yeah, I mean, it's it's easy to just praise Rich. So Rich Vreeland, who goes by Disaster Beast, did the music yeah. for Hyperlight. Um, that was also a big boon to the project early on. I think he was the biggest name on the project. Mm-hmm. He, uh, as well as Bo Blythe, who made Samurai Gun and who's mm-hmm. my co-designer on the project. Mm-hmm. Um, Bo had some had a, had a great reputation, I think. So that I feel like those two reasons were the reason I ended up mm-hmm. backing the Kickstarter. I was like, oh, Bo Blythe. Music, yeah. Yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, everybody style, in this room great. freaked out. That's good. Yeah, it's a good thing to have it's happen. Um, right, and I just like slipped in. I was like, I, I know Who's I run projects. Who's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, yeah, I um, met them through Glitch. So yeah, uh, Rich's music was obviously pivotal to it. I mean, I think what was nice about the tone of Hyperlight and like the, the visual and soundscape that ended up coming out of it is that Alex, of course, had his art style that was, um, in this case, pixel art. Um, and there were a couple of things that really pulled it away from bleep bloopy pixel art in a way that you would immediately register as like something you'd seen before or something that you were really familiar with. So he used a lot of smooth gradients and things Gradient. like that. Beautiful. Gradients. Uh, and and Rich's music, uh, as well as the sound design from Akash the Car. So, and since was, then, you've been able to travel around the world a little more and, mm-hmm. and do cool game-related things. And now you're in Kuala Lumpur with us. The short version of what you were saying, uh, which uh, now I don't repeat, you would call me like going around being bon nice vivant. to people. Bon vivant is just that like I made a point for a long time of always trying to show up to things, especially when I was mm-hmm. starting to make games. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know anybody. I'm bad at this. So I went to all the shows, went to every show I could. Um, I think I met Doug, like, oh God, I don't remember where, but definitely at a show a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe E3 2012 or something. Yeah. Would that be? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what am I saying? What am I talking about? Oh, oh traveling. traveling. Thank you. Why Kuala Lumpur? What brings you here? Yeah, let's do that. Um, I mean, in the course of going to a lot of the game festivals, I made a few friends who were doing like the nomadic thing more properly than I am now. But mm-hmm. like Adriel Wallach, who did Nomad for at least a year, um, and uh, Alan Hazelden, mm. who's yeah. like a pro. I think we're all we've all started to him along the way. Three, yeah, he's going yeah. to the Northway as, as well. Collins here in Northway. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I uh, I did the opposite thing you're supposed to do when I when we finished Hyperlight is I went very quickly into a role directing at Square Enix right. just like right away because it was a particular setup that I couldn't miss and I felt like it was a one time mm-hmm. opportunity so mm-hmm. I kind of took that space away from myself. You still had to move countries to take I that did. role, didn't you? I did. I moved to Montreal in Canada. Was that pro- what was that process like? Which is where um, Stephanie's from. Yes. Okay, okay so mm-hmm. only positive things. Um, <laughs> I can't say anything. You catch up what, was, what would you say about Canada's bad? Um, yes, so I moved there, but it was a pretty easy process because Square took care of it. So uh, after I left Square, um, 
I kind of took my original plan A, which was mm. take some space, take some time. I'd been mm. very intense for like six or seven or eight years. And so I was like, don't commit to anything, at least for a few months, travel a bit mm -hmm. and figure out next project mm. carefully. Great. So anyway, so I happen to be here and run into you. And that's actually been a very great anchor for me in mm. floating around is that I'm uh, I like video games is a lot of my life and social life as well. Mm -hmm. So it's a great, um, great fortune to run into people mm. in Japan or here and kind of get to reset. Like, <coughs> oh, my friends. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a very happy coincidence that you're here with us this week um, doing this guest spot on our podcast. Mm. I think we're going to wrap up uh, and come back in uh, five minutes to talk about what we got up to this afternoon, yeah. which uh, was, I think, personally, and there is definitely some... This is very polarizing. <laughs> Today was polarizing. There are some salty boys. There are some <laughs> salty oh, boys amongst One or two not at just least. the sweat. Not just the sweat. Yeah, so we'll, please uh, go make, make yourself a cup of tea. Um, oh, and no. <laughs> we'll go make a tea. And we'll go make a cup of tea as well, and then we can enjoy a nice yeah, cup of tea. Yeah, you have to stick around. We're Do a Tim Tam Slam. Do a Tim Tam Slam. And then Chuck come your back. own boots on. Yes. After this message Chad from our sponsors. Yeah. Indeed. Dutch lady. <laughs> <laughs>
but because like the area or the mall is called NU, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just like a fashion thing. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But the mall Ironically, for more. another shrine mm-hmm. to capitalism, there is only one ATM in the entire complex. What? So a huge line for currency. And it's outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's yeah. money changes. I had to go all the way outside, all the way down those escalators. It takes me like an hour. Not really, I'm exaggerating, but it felt <laughs> like an hour. Um, the coffee portions, though, were massive. We ended up ordering a regular, oh, yeah. and it was like, it was huge. It was huge. American I was like, holy crap, classic. is this the States? <laughs> you, were, you were trying to like uh, uh, really get the awe going in me about the size of the new mall, and I feel like it's, it's big. The malls here are big, but not grand. Like, it's just kind of like, you know when you're making a game, a video game, and you're, like, copy-pasting assets to just to build out the space, mm-hmm. but then you go back and you decorate them to look differently. Very modular design. Yeah, I think they kind of just do that. They just stack the copy-paste part. Speaking of malls, though, like, getting up to Breakout New is probably, like, the poshest, nicest lobby mm-hmm. for an escape room Definitely. that we've been to. It had, um, like, black wood. Gathered satin. Um, trim, yeah, satin curtains. Uh, Stuff seemed really bright and carpet. happy. I would call it magician cheek. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit cheek. sexy as well. This yeah. is the best staff, the best customer service yeah. out of every single one. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. They were great, they were actually. Um, their posters were also really good. Yeah. For they sure. They had them lined up. Yeah, they, they had, had all sorts of, like, I mean, there were sophisticated designs. They had, uh, you know, they'd obviously hired somebody who knew what they were doing. Or, yeah, I don't know, I just wanted to play them all. And then, was there, like, a steampunk theme? Sorry. Yeah, I mean, there was a deco theme. There was um, some pretty, like, modern illustration style with perpetual... Um, Rembrandt. Rembrandt. Chinese war on medicine. Rembrandt. Chinese medicine charts. Um, what else was there? Good, a cool magic one? Mm. Or... Like mm. a magical... Tesla. Oh, Tesla. Yeah. Tesla. Tesla. Like, nautical yeah. theme. A nautical theme. Uh, it was beautiful. So instantly I was enticed and we all seemed pretty excited. We also took the morning off for the first time in a while. So we kind of had a few more beans ready to spill. You <laughs> 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 we were full of beans. Can we start by saying, there? so these rooms differed in, I would say, two very major ways uh, immediately. One, uh, there were special roles assigned. Oh, yeah. Each that had uh, a special power, and we can get into that. So that immediately changed the kind of strategy and, oh, yeah. and the dynamic. So you pick these special roles uh, beforehand. No, they that, didn't. Okay, well, okay, this is, Let's this just is a salty boy yeah. coming for you. Yeah. And two... Wait, before the salt. Uh, the main course. Salt <laughs> <laughs> on the side. Well, <laughs> regardless of whether we think positively or negative about this, I think it's worth talking about how different this was. The second yeah. one is that all, most of the rooms, not all the rooms, had a computer screen mm-hmm. where you would use to like get hints that were sometimes photo hints displayed on the computer screen, and they would interact with those roles, which, which we can get into. Um, that did some of the work of automating... For example, the onboarding. So the story was given to you in this like one minute kind of animated video. So both of these things, I would say, were very different. So um, I think that today was really interesting for me because out of all of the escape rooms that I've played so far, and I did miss one session that people were talking a little bit about. So so maybe I can't, you know, uh, be grandiose in the claims that I'm about to make. But um, this was the first experience of escape rooms that I've had where the narrative um, didn't just feel like a veneer and that there was an attempt, Mm -hmm. at least, to try to put together some of the puzzles with a larger story. And even the, like, ambient decor 
Um, again, I'm not going to say that this was like a, a great work of art, but that there was an attempt um, to try to make the decor feed into some sort of mise-en-scene, some sort of worlding, mm -hmm. some kind of story that was being told. And um, I can't really say that any of the other ones that we've done yet have um, achieved that kind of effect the way some of the ones here did. And I'd point specifically to something like, um, was it Medica Magica? Materia mm -hmm. Medica. Materia Medica, yeah. I think all of the ones were sort of trying, and that one probably tried the most out of all of they them. They were all very ambitious. And they all were very ambitious and kind of... Um, I, I mean, this is maybe where the salt, time for the spoonfuls of salt come in. But maybe before that, I'll say that they, they sort of, for me at least, they were, they were doing something differently where I wasn't, it wasn't the puzzles that were captivating to me, but it was actually more the, the kind of worlding that I found myself They were full of craft. By. Yeah, so they were loved, like, or taken care of. Um, and I think one of, some evidence of that care is the fact that some of them exist within the same world, or refer to one another, mm. or are sequels to one another. Or the yes. character from one appears in and, another. And maybe it's not as all-in as some of us would like it. Uh, again, like motioning towards the salt. <laughs> but uh, it's more than we got in previous ones, where it was about theming rather than story, I think. So they mm. earlier ones maybe fit within genre tropes, but didn't try and tell some kind of story that had any progression. And I think the other big thing, aside from that meta-narrative that connected multiple escape rooms, is many of these, maybe all of them, uh, had multiple endings yeah. that were yeah. not puzzle necessarily, but changed the narrative based on a choice the players made. Uh, yeah. they kind of, kind There's of. a lot to talk okay. about. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we can I, now move to... <laughs> I just wanted to step back real quick and sidebar on the the abilities or like the character roles. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yes, a lot it's like high RPG fans, RPG maker. So before here. we, oh, okay. yeah, I've got yeah. them written down here. We've got the. So I don't know whether we want to break break down into them, but yeah, I think we should say what they are. Yeah. So there are eight. Um, at a glance, they are Lockmaster. As the Lockmaster, you have the ability to solve one puzzle in the room. Oracle. The Oracle gets to see photos of things in the rooms that you need to focus on. Scholar. The Scholar will receive a card that reveals the difficulty levels, types an exact number of puzzles in the room. Lightbringer. As the Lightbringer, you get a flashlight with unlimited usage. Timebender. The Timebender will get an extra five minutes that will be added at the end of the game. Gemini. The Gemini has the ability to duplicate the ability of other characters. Assassin. As the assassin, you have the ability to kill one active character for one answer. The killed character will be isolated from the rest of the group for five minutes, and their abilities will be taken away. And healer. The healer has the ability to heal an assassinated character. By healing killed character, they are able to retain their ability entirely. I chose Oracle for my first game because of course I did, and <laughs> it was uh, useless. Uh, <laughs> well, tell me. I just, thought it was useless. Let me ask a question slash make a statement, which is in my three experiences, most of the roles did not encourage, uh, a, like A for effort, I'm really glad that they were there, but um, did not encourage any sort of role play, did not encourage any distinction between what people were doing. The only one that felt like it actually actively involved or changed the way the person was behaving was the light bringer. And even that could be passed around. And in yeah. some of my games, we would just pass the thing all around. 
And so there was no, like, this is my job, this has affected how I'm going to play. Yeah. I think the biggest issue I had with the the roles was that, um, one, they already kind of exist in all other games. Like, there's always someone holding a torch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, There's always, like, you know, anyone can ask for a hint. I don't know why you need to tell that, like, find that down to one person. And even then, it's like, it's a, it's a... Group choice, not not necessarily that one person's role, but there are other roles that I found quite interesting. And maybe Doug, you want to say something about that? Yeah, I would say there uh, there were strategic uh, parts of the roles. You came up with some smart stuff. So, uh, <laughs> for example, the there's an assassin who can eliminate a player from the group to get an answer, not a hint, but to immediately solve a puzzle. Yeah. So that starts recombining with some of the other powers. For example. There was the scholar who, before the game starts, gets to see a map of all the puzzles. So, for example, uh, this room will have eight puzzles labeled one through eight. Uh, so, the, all all of the escape rooms are very linear. You had to do all all of the. And we should point out that the assassin doesn't remove a player from the room or the game. They just get a timeout for five minutes. They're not able to. Oh, is it only a timeout? It's, it's only a timeout. And did anyone use the assassin? No, I no. wanted to, and I think that the linearity ruined it because. Yeah. What was interesting in being assigned the ability to kill someone and get an answer was like, oh, I'm serving myself at someone else's disservice. And since all of the abilities tended to be, like Chad was saying, as a group decision, there was no, like, I'm going to pull a renegade move here because I'm working on this puzzle and you're working on something else and well, I need but, something. But so, the, like, the, I think you could actually use them um, intelligently. So as the scholar, I can tell you which ones are going to be labeled as hard. So yeah. strategically, it's your interest mm-hmm. to automatically skip a hard puzzle. If you're, if you're gunning for the best time... Yeah. But that's the okay. thing. But, but, right? but that's yeah. the kitchen, right? Because, like, you want to salt, do that. Salt. Salt. <laughs> salt. Sprinkle it on. I can't, Why I can't do you want to skip over no, the really puzzles good. that are the, the part of the game that's supposed right. to be fun? Right. You yeah. go there to try to challenge yourself, <laughs> and then you say, well, I'm going to, A, remove somebody else's ability to enjoy the environment, mm-hmm. to skip over a thing that I've come here, paid for, her to I, think, do. I think maybe if you really decided, yeah, I'm going to be the assassin, I'm just going to... Right, know. and there's so much richness in the possibility of that role, mm. but it's not at all explored. Yeah. And this represents, to me, the failures of the games as a whole, which is that they look really juicy on the surface, and then they're just shallow as mm. anything. Hold on, by the way, not all of us agree with that. <laughs> yes, I agree. Just when you say, like, richness, do you mean that... Um, you know, because we have these roles, the assassin doesn't, it doesn't become like a let's identify the weakest link or like this moment for some really kind of nefarious group psychology, but instead it's like, oh, whose role? So instead of like making it like a weird group dynamic problem, it just becomes like a, a logic puzzle about yeah. who to yeah. eliminate. It felt like the group had a deck of cards that yeah. whoever yeah. was in charge was kind of playing yeah. out. Uh, yeah. Like right. in, in reality, it's like, Okay, so is this the moment we use the assassin as I opposed that, to I'm the assassin? That's and- not. That's maybe not what all of you wanted. I think that's what the designers wanted. Yeah. Sure, like they executed correctly on their vision was like groups making strategic discussions about what roles to use. What and sure. you could you could give up your role like you could trade in a, 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 a flashlight. <laughs> For uh, a hint, for example. Mm. But if they yeah. are assuming that people are playing this with a sense of mastery and desire for competition and to win in that larger context, then why present themselves as a room that doesn't care about that? They don't have leaderboards, for example, compared mm. to any other Right, rooms. right. I thought that was... I think it was clear that there were several puzzles that were specifically designed for the locksmith, which was the one where there's, there's one puzzle in every room that's specifically labeled with this logo, 
And if you choose, you can use your power to skip that one instantly. Yeah. Um, and if you don't use it, you can use it that you can um, turn use it, it in for a hint. hint. Yeah. Right. And so in the first one, we just solved it. Right. And it was really time consuming, um, really detail-y. And so then in the second one, I was like, oh, well, here we are again. It's another super time-consuming, really detail-y one. So we just skipped it because mm-hmm. we knew already. But they just... specifically designed that only for the purpose of that one role. But isn't that just like I'm... there's a, a badly designed, hard, annoying-to-finish puzzle that you're like, I want to skip over. Yeah. Like, that's not a good thing. And it comes <laughs> early in the game, too, so you can't necessarily make a strategic choice about whether it's a good idea to do that. Unless you're the scholar. You've had an overview. That's of the true. Mm-hmm. But the, the other thing I would mention, though, is like, like this loops back into the automation. Um, mm. And so there was this computer terminal where you would do this like exchanging of the hit. But then it wasn't actually fully automated, which I found really interesting. Yeah. So in some sense, the onboarding was a little smoothed out. And yet even still, the human attendant had to come and say, oh, like really be careful of the ceiling stuff. But then in the uh, this computer terminal, if you wanted to sacrifice your torch or something or assassinate a player, you'd have to have a human person come in and verify that move. So it was interesting that they tried to kind of automate and standardize some of it, and yet uh, human was still necessary, which actually became a problem. Um, by the end of the night when things got really busy, you could tell that they were super understaffed. <laughs> well, let's talk about the story ending thing. It yeah. seems very strange to me that like you finished the game, you open the final door, and your attendant is there to tell you what the story was supposed right. to be that you yeah. were supposed yeah. to be experiencing. Yeah. But I didn't get that in the room. I, I yeah. only got it from their description, and I'm like, mm. well, why isn't there something in the room telling me this? <laughs> or you do get it from the room, like aspects of that, and you can make guesses. Yeah. Which end up being correct. And it's not satisfying to have those guesses confirmed in such a this is how it was way. Yeah. way. Really yeah. What you want it is to feels- afterwards discuss and have the possibility space enlarge mm-hmm. in your mind. Before we go any further, Jay, Stephanie, Chunglun, and Doug are going to get sweet and salty on Materia Medica, the Chinese-themed escape room at Breakout New. Hi, so here's an interlude. I'm Stephanie Bullock, and I'm in the room with... Lee Chunglun, Doug Wilson, Jay Biddle. And we played a game at Breakout New at New Central in downtown KL that was called Materia Medica. Yeah, and so this game came specifically recommended to us by the staff when we called, and uh, I believe you said, give us your best game. (laughs) And that was was the... uh, And we were also excited because it explicitly had a Chinese medicine theme. Uh, As it turned out, the game was available in both English language and Chinese language, which was pretty interesting. Um, so they, I think the theme is like a mid 20th century thing going on and almost kind of like nostalgic for this period in the 20th century. Uh, it's set in rural China and there is a famous doctor who is descended from a long line of doctors and he's not just a doctor, but he has secret powers. Um, he has the ability to resurrect the dead And the whole goal of this room is basically to try to steal his secret. So we're kind of once again being put into the role of a thief. Right. And so um, when you start off in this game, you enter into this room um, and uh, there's 
some rope puzzles on two sides of the wall, and it's a very, very dark room. And uh, there's also tons of posters that are plastered all over this kind of opening room that we're in, which I don't know. I was the note taker, so I was watching you as you were kind of struggling with the, the rope puzzles, but that also gave me a lot of opportunity to like actually look at the wall since um, there wasn't a whole lot apart from just watching you kind of fiddle and fail for about 15 minutes. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> Delicately moving the rope around, trying to find the right way to unlock it. I feel like coming at it from like, um, like imagine this is two things. Yeah. yeah. My brain doesn't work. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to like. Um, I mean, this is silly. <laughs> we could kill 20 minutes doing this. Yeah, I agree. So, but what is a hint going to do for us? We don't have a way of getting an answer in mind and play with an assassin. I don't think um, spatially with my hands. So. Yeah. And so on the wall, there it wasn't really explained, but there were just it was plastered with all these um, signs for missing emperor. But only in Chinese, right? It was in it was in English. Oh, there were in yeah. English as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but there was no explanation as to why. So it wasn't clear whether this was just some kind of uh, mood or, or decor, or if it was actually motivated. Um, do, do you want someone want to step us through the puzzles really briefly? Sure. Uh, so they mentioned that we're in uh, a kind of like a land called Wuxia, which is a reference to the martial arts mm -hmm. films that uh, or books that usually take place in either pre-modern or ancient China. So it's interesting that they mash up this Wong Kar Wai 19th, 20th century China, but it's actually supposed to be ancient China. It actually took me a, a little while to sort of pinpoint what era we're mm -hmm. in because it had that kind of mythological setting. But then later on, it was like, oh, wait, there's like photographs. Yeah, it was super anachronistic. 1950s um, music. <laughs> right, which is cool. And it was great. Yeah. So um, you had to get these rings off the topological puzzle and then uh, use a ladder that was just present in this alley or in this uh, first room to go up past the door, above the window, push it open, and then use the ring on a string that we had removed from the rope puzzle to pull up the latch of the door from the inside. Once we unlocked it, we got into the herbal room where there was a large um, wall of Chinese herbs and medicines in little drawers that we couldn't actually open. And there were also um, booklets with patient information, um, there was, which we found later. And there were urns of emperors uh, on the top left, and these urns had ingredients and weights on them. So the first puzzle was to figure out the specific weight of the ingredients by solving a simultaneous equation, A plus B equals something, mm -hmm. B plus C equals something, A plus C equals something. And when A, B, and C were put into a lock, we received these patient records. In the patient records, there was a list of ingredients, as well as a note that said, um, we've been doing this for generations, do not write down secret ingredients. Um, once you found the secret ingredients, touch them. Okay, can I say two things? One, that letter was written more narratively. Like, like we're boiling it down to its essence, but there was a letter written... Uh, like, it talks about it was generations of doctors yeah. Yeah. and passing yeah. down secrets between them. Yeah. Dear son. Dear son. Great patient yeah, Dr. exactly. Kang, blah, blah, Kang. blah. Yeah. Uh, other thing is the booklets with the patient records, there was a set of them in yes. Chinese uh, and a set of them in English mm -hmm. as well. And so. you were kind of hoping for a translation puzzle. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, 
Sadly, no. But. Like one of the herbs is different from the herbs in the in the Chinese booklet, and like that's the secret or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, yeah. Or we had to correlate the yeah. the Chinese in the book with the the mapping of the wall. Anyway, that. But what that it actually was is that the there were two ingredients that were missing from the booklets that hadn't been used, and so when you pressed your hands on both of those on the medicine cabinet, the whole medicine cabinet recessed into the wall. Revealing an entrance to another room. Doug is just trying to brute force this. I've touched everything with fennel seeds and it hasn't worked. Sunflower seeds, star anise. Yep, got it. There I just we did not brute force it. That's what you want. Uh, I think it's going to definitely way down there. Yeah. So Doug, so go to the right. press fennel seeds and. It's open. We should have two more puzzles in. Oh god, there's a dead body. Right, and this was an acupuncture room, it seemed. Except they had severed arms and legs, I they believe, really just, just hanging around. Very wrong. <laughs> well, which, <laughs> foreshadowing, will we'll come into the narrative later. Sure, sure. And there was a brief puzzle in there where you had to find two acupuncture points on a body map that were sticking out. Is that, that how you Yeah, you, it said touch the body or make sure to feel for the acupuncture points. And then what? there's a picture of all the meridian points uh, and uh, it's got that, you know, here's the human body and here's where you puncture the body. And on the other wall, it says, feel for the acupuncture points. Uh, and then below, there's a list of possible points with also numbers. For example, 32 chest for heart palpitations. And, and so when you, we took the, the two points that we found and we entered that code. Wait, so sorry, same, how did you find the two points on the canvas on the wall? By feeling for them. And two of the points that were labeled were raised. Right, so there's a touch puzzle that you couldn't see. Um, okay, so feel the pressure points before needle insertion. Choose the needles based on the body part. Insert the needle slowly. Okay. Uh, and then that gave us a key, I believe. Mm-hmm. And we were like, well, we don't have anywhere to put this key. So we ran back through the entire place looking for a place to put it. Yeah, and I don't think, I don't know if we... We mentioned this, but when we did the the pharmacy puzzle, it opens up the. You realize it's a false door, right? Mm, mm-hmm. And um, actually, Patrick was also playing with us, and I think that this was his sort of favorite moment was the kind of case of the missing um, key well, lock. Yeah, <laughs> because we had a key, but we didn't know where to go. So after, with it. after it's a nice reversal to how you usually feel, which is yeah. use these locks and I don't know how to solve right. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that felt really, really good. So right. after searching around for a while, uh, I think I figured out uh, on the other side of this wall we had pushed in is a door. Okay, got it. Got it, got it, got it, got it. It's behind this. Oh, moves. So they figured it out. Oh. They had to move the door. Oh, finally. They got something behind the door. Mm-hmm. So you have to know to like get on the other side of the door, then push it out and see what it conceals. So this, this classic, what's on the other side of this thing? Um, we I haven't seen that yet. It was it was really really satisfying to like ah yeah. like you have to move the door again. Um, it's also a good use of space. Yeah, too. It's like a double secret because you expect that once you move this wall, exactly, no, yeah. nothing yes. else is going to happen yes. with that yes. space. Yes. Yeah. So you find yourself into the last room, which is a very small uh, shrine, and there are five. Um, kind of statuettes, and on the back of the statuettes are descriptors. So the front has names of people, and on the back has little sentences written by the people. For example, uh, I was proud of my father who started this great work. Something like that. 
Can I just say something, though? Something that I really loved about this moment, because I was observing all of you, was that it took you a while to actually physically touch the shrines (laughs) and turn it over, because you were, I think, moved unconsciously by the sacredness of it. You... I don't know if that goes teaching back to his body. teachings are generations ago, so like one. I don't. I think this is weak, but uh, I try it. I'm just gonna. Yeah. Okay, oh, so <laughs> now we. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to touch anything, do we? Okay. Is it another logic puzzle? I think yeah. it was maybe something it's that felt Mario sacred about the obelisks because they were yeah. part of this kind of mysterious generation. Like you, I, I don't know if you sort of felt like it was a sort of no-touch situation, but it, I feel like most of the time you go in and you're just like, ah, like let's let's touch everything, turn everything over. But you, there was like a hesitation because of the fact that this was kind of a ceremonial uh, room that well, we had entered into. Not only that, but one of the names, the Kang, was the, I think like the father or something mentioned earlier in a letter. So there was like, the narrative was becoming clear to us. Mm-hmm. So I think I was so busy thinking, oh, that, that's the guy we had heard about before that I even like forgot to, uh, <laughs> um, but also underneath those uh, kind of wooden objects were numbers mapping to each one. Right. So the puzzle was to rearrange the, people into the correct generational order, and that would give us the code to the drawer. Based on a logic puzzle of this person's grandfather said this, so it was mm-hmm. just a bunch of like uh, positive or negative logic statements that you have to correlate. Here's a puzzle for the listeners at home. Brothers and sisters, I have none, but this person's father is my father's son. Who is this person? What a mystery. Leave it to you. <laughs> anyway, so then inside the drawer, we found, uh, supposedly, the final sheet which showed us the showed us the secret recipe yeah. for eternal life. I'm not entirely sure what Panacea. it was for. Okay, Passia. Passia. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so with, with, with trembling hands, and the key, yeah, the key to the door is what we also right. No, it's very important. And yes. clutching the key, you race to the to the start. Uh, you well, wanted to do have the best time, yeah, And you exactly. open the door, and the attendant was was immediately there, ready and waiting for us. And she asked us a question. Hey, um, you stole the recipe, but is this the correct one? <gasps> what? No, because these are ingredients that were... That Even you can find out. It's just a normal herb. Fail. There is no such thing. Or well, there's more. Well, there is more. It's actually secretly hidden. So anything, it's secretly locked. Have you guys noticed anything? Can we go back? Yeah, two minutes. So we've escaped the room, but we haven't solved the puzzle. Because classic video game style, right? Like, nobody actually read the text. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me, and this is what we're going to pack a little bit, it was a really exciting moment because it wasn't just the binary of you win or you lose. Like, we got out of the escape room, but we had kind of been tricked uh, by this false ending. But the question for us at that point was, can we even go back in, or have we just gone down a path that we cannot return from? Right. Because we've already opened the door, spoke to the attendant, you know. So they let us back in, we went to the back, kind of thoughts racing, and uh, found that there was a secret compartment that you could only access from the inside of the first compartment, where the fake recipe was. Uh, And then once you pulled the pin, you could open the second drawer, which had inside of it the true recipe, which was slightly censored, but you could tell on the bottom, that the key ingredient was 
the bones of an emperor. Yes! Which explains why yes! there are the four, four emperor's <laughs> pots in one of the puzzles. It explains the posters in the first room. Yes. The missing emperor. It explains the body parts. Um, but most importantly, we did a whole puzzle about I will never write down the secret ingredients. And yet, the first recipe we got listed ginseng and uh, a whole bunch of the ingredients we had seen written on the wall. So, uh, and now we can talk about whether or not that worked, but at least uh, there was a blending of theme and mechanics there in a way that I don't think we've seen uh, on this trip the, yet. Not I, just theme, but narrative. Yes, yeah. sorry, narrative. Yeah, I feel like this room probably did it the most uh, effectively and cohesively for me. But yeah, like this, this was definitely my first experience where um, I found myself thinking less about the puzzles and more about how the puzzles were connected to the story and the fact that they're. The fact that those posters right at the start were like some basic foreshadowing was really, really exciting to me because honestly, that's the first time that I've seen something like that and that the puzzles themselves weren't just kind of logic puzzles, but that there was actually an attempt to design a puzzle where you're thinking about the generation of like the multiple generation of these, the specific family of doctors where it, you know, it, it wasn't, it, there, there seemed to be a, an attempt at, at suturing these together. And I think the key word there, though, for Jay and myself is attempt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while you've been raving about this and, and Doug and Stephanie are very excited, rightfully so, Jay and I have been kind of making weird faces at each other. <laughs> the salty yeah. boys. I mean, <laughs> rather than critique, maybe we're going to present, like, our alternate vision. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe let's take it through the room again and how we would actually, like, change it. All right. Let's, let's hear it. Let's go for it. see what we can do. Okay, so like straight from the first room? Yep. Right, so we're going to get rid of the screen. No screen. Start. Computer's gone. Right? <laughs> you don't uh, need to know your time. Don't worry about that. This should be an alleyway. It should be designed like an alleyway. should be like natural items there. There should be washing hung up mm-hmm. above you. Um, set it directly in one of the two periods. I'm going to say like, give me one car Y vibes. Give me like 20th century one and stick to that rather than the ancient China. There is a tissue paper screen. There is behind it a silhouette of a figure, and that silhouette is the person who gives you your mission. They're whispering to you, they're speaking to you, they're telling you you need to be secret to break in to steal this recipe. There's a pipe underneath, and inside the pipe is a canister with a scroll that gives you the same information written, so that if you forget it, you always have it there, and will take um, play an important role later as well. Mm-hmm. The, the ladder is naturally just in the place. The ring is just a natural part of like decor that would be in a place like this. So it's not a ring puzzle. It is just a ring that you can free because you know you need to break into this place. So you're like, I have a ladder that I found. I found a ring. Now you're climbing the ladder to the Wait, right sorry, side. Can you still move the ladder? Yes, though? absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So but it's, you've broken in. It feels much more sneaky to do right. this with your own ingenuity as opposed to here's the ring puzzle that allows you to do got it. This right. would require a change to all of these rooms, which is yes. no puzzle labeling. Right? Very important. Because the, one of the key moments of exciting escape rooms is the aha moment where I'm like, this goes with this. Yes, that's exciting. Like, you find the ladder, you find the ring. You have to figure out how to combine these two things together. Well, and can I be really clear? If you're going to get rid of the computer screen, you're getting rid of the roles as well. Like, I know we're talking about this in the episode. Uh, we're getting rid of the roles. But, yeah, yeah <laughs> but that's, I'm just saying that's a major change to the kind of meta of That's this like the structure part. outside of this room. Yes, yeah. we would get rid of that, but yeah. it's or like... That would be... I'll tell you what the roles should be. Okay, yeah. <laughs> keep going. Okay, you're inside the herbalist shop, which should be slightly laid out different to make you feel like this could be an actual shop and not just a thing themed to be herbalism, mm-hmm. but generally it's the same. 
weight puzzle. The weight puzzle, so instead of it being a maths equation that you're doing in your head, like make these physical objects. You have like little bags of herbs that you are trying to weigh on scales. Like you're trying to get to the, the perfect weight that you need. You don't then get a code from it. Then that is what gives you like a secret drop down door or drawer that you can like access these medical records in. And the medical records should be not of random patients, but of like previous emperors and maybe you've been poisoning the emperors to get their bones. So, so, so you are actually the herbalist for the emperor. Uh, yes, so all of the emperor's medical records are there. And why they would be secret is because emperors don't want people to know that they're ever ill, right? So you are finding the secret information which would make sense to be hidden. Uh, and then you can do like a similar puzzle for the the medicine cabinet. But the important thing is you need to like really highlight the point that you never write down the information. That needs to be circled and key made key as right. opposed to just okay. in amongst a bunch of other information. Okay. Um, also, and I haven't specifically solved this, but like the, the medicine cabinet puzzle is inherently brute forceable because there's only two inputs. Yep. And so you find one and then you just touch it. By the way, I did one. brute force That's, yeah. There exactly. you go. Like, <laughs> I think 80%, I'm just guessing, of people would brute force that. And if you wanted something that was a little more thematic, it's still brute forceable. If you had like movable drawers, like they move left mm. and right a little, you need to move <coughs> three specific ones to unlock a physical like peg, mm. peg lock, yeah. and then the whole thing would move back. It's then not an electronic puzzle, so it fits more with the actual setting of this shot. Yeah, so yeah. I, I agree. Twist, yeah. twist the knobs so they're facing right yes. or something, and the yeah. other knobs are twistable. Yeah. Um, oh, and make sure that the ingredients that are not present on the wall, in order to solve the puzzle, you need to find that, uh, are all present in the booklet in the same format, not just scattered amongst three different sources of information that take three different forms. So remember we said, oh, ginseng's not in the book. It's like, yeah, but ginseng's over there on the emperor puzzle. And it was mm. a different puzzle. Don't reuse that information replicate it in the book mm -hmm. okay now we're inside the acupuncture room acupuncture room get rid of the fake limbs <laughs> yeah definitely get rid of the fake limbs maybe don't even make this an acupuncture room because if if our storyline was to change slightly to say that this was the emperor's doctor who was poisoning them slowly so that he could get their bodies rather than just like i don't know somehow kidnapping an emperor yeah okay, <laughs> okay so the, if you want to make it acupuncture make it um dianxia which is like the martial arts version of acupuncture where you can paralyze people by touching them, uh -huh. you know, and reference that. Wait, why not the, the body parts though are foreshadowing to the fact that after the emperor is dead, the only reason no body parts is because the body parts are obviously fake. You can have cheesy and rubber made arms. Yes. If you wanted to have like cremate body parts that looked real, that's fine. There's, the, with the weight puzzle, if there was an implication that some of those weights are potentially the, the ashes yeah, bodies, yeah right like that would kind of affect that would retroactively um shape the I, way you feel so about what had happened at that moment you could get across that this was an acupuncture room by having an acupuncture table with like tools that make sense for it so you still know it's acupuncture you don't need fake limbs lying there to tell you that really briefly i would say uh slight disagree i think it added a tone of humor to the room there might be a bigger disagreement of how serious or atmospheric it should be like the hokiness do I the think. humor in the alleyway don't do the humor okay and like but i agree that you need some sort of like this is illicit because it is behind a secret door okay final mm -hmm. room shrine stuff just no no locks anywhere, first of all. Yeah, I don't know if we mentioned, but we've removed every padlock because it doesn't make sense to be finding codes. Like, yeah. the mechanical puzzles, like, so the, you're still rearranging the generations in the very same way. As soon as you get it right, the drawer just pops open. Put them and you're like, little slots. That's very exciting. Yeah. When that happens automatically. Little drawer pops open, and then you are reminded to remember the canister and the hole in the wall. You put the thing back into the canister and you shove it back into the wall. So you've like delivered via dead drop or whatever the, the to your um, contact at the start, and then your contact comes back talking you to you through the window. 
Mm-hmm. And he's like, what do you mean? This can't be the recipe. <laughs> this is just like everyday ingredients. There's nothing special about this at all. And then you're like, well, what the hell? Like, what are we supposed to do? And so you're like, forced to like go back and try and find something in that same room in exactly the same way, except you then have the option to like go back through and do that. Okay, so it's a little bit more clearly set that that's, um, you're not done, uh, that that's just a puzzle that you haven't got, quite got it's yet. Like self-contained. Yeah. Okay. So, well, the alternative to that is that you only do that if they have more than five minutes remaining. And if they don't have more than five minutes remaining, then you just say congratulations. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wait, you, you never tell them that they no, got the wrong you never tell them that you got the wrong one. I don't agree with that. Well, so then you have, like, uh, if, say, two groups did it, and one got the secret thing and one didn't, that's a real good talking point. That <laughs> but most people aren't going to go with two groups. <laughs> but they might have friends who go to it. It's like, then you've got a real difference between the two online places. fiction of people saying, like, I heard this room's really good, and there's this extra thing that you could do, mm-hmm. maybe, if you're good enough. All right, so um, I think we're we're just at the end now. This has been hashtag Jay and Shang Loon fix the game. <laughs> Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Let's get back to the whole team, who will recap the remaining escape rooms at Breakout New. Some of us got out of um, this, this room perpetual, and there was supposed to be this super big important story moment where the, the human attendant comes to kind of tell you the ending, and instead we just kind of like wandered out of the room, like, what's, what's happening, the what's the ending? So we're back where we started? No. no. Yeah, yeah, this is where we started. Doctor, this is where we started. This is where we started. Wait, this feels weird. Are we done? Nobody is sure what's going on. Yeah. Did we finish the game? Or did we just run out of time? We're not, we don't know. Yeah. Deeply unclear what's going on right now. Now we're yeah. like, I think they just are we still so playing? We're really still playing the game. Right. Yeah. Well, well you're about to play. Don't, don't get yeah. there yet. But yeah. can someone dictate just for the listeners what? Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll go. So you start out, your characters are um, art thieves, right? So you're breaking into the mansion of a wealthy uh, sort of. I don't know, a global entrepreneur, it's not entirely clear, but you enter... Slash but your auctioneer lets you into the house. Yes. Through, like, a sewer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so you enter into a room with, like, a sort of gun arsenal on the wall, and you're hacking into the computer. You know, then you break into the office, and you're seeing all of their stuff. Then you actually go into their storage area, and you, you liberate some artifacts, mm-hmm. right? And then... You crawl down another ladder into a secret cloning lab. Well, you find a basement. note after you liberate the key yeah. artifact, right? I, w- I wasn't, I don't know. There was, yeah, no, that part. There was So there's a note that, that says, uh, from the previous like, you. yeah, the previous you wants you to go down this ladder. Uh, yeah. So then you go down the ladder and suddenly it's like a different genre. Yeah. You're like, it's oh, like go ahead. Yeah. yeah. There's a huge wastebasket of the diskette that you used in the beginning of the game. Yeah. Um, there's a body in a tube and then there's Jonathan a computer Blow. system. <laughs> yeah. It's the body of Jonathan Blow. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, you <laughs> sorry, we should no contextualize that. Yeah. Yeah. Just say so. No, they have to connect the dots themselves. themselves. There's, there's a witness puzzle. There we go. Did, has anyone yeah. played with this? I have. Great. This is the witness. I'm having major deja vu because I had a dream about a very similar 
situation. Oh, cool. So it's like a physical version of the witness that Chung Lu is kind of put together in this. Uh, I guess it uses electricity of these washers uh, hooked to little wire, where uh, behind this is uh, basically a soldered circuit, and Chung Lu has to make the correct uh, kind of path all um, on the witness. So you see a giant framed thing about a newspaper and it's like there's cloning happening and everybody's living forever something like oh, that, that and nice. you get a choice at the end yes or no question do you want to shut the machine down or not um in our one we picked no well, well goldie picked no, goldie picked no. <laughs> <laughs> keep that machine right? drinking jonathan blows and out say it wasn't that clear what that meant yeah, like right. was the machine for cloning or it, what, it, there was never an explanation of that of any Did the staff member explain? Well, well this is the thing. Yeah. It just looked like a sinister computer, by the way. Yeah. That's why I was Yeah. That. So we leave, and they're like, hey, by the way, here's what was actually going on. Yeah. So you are clones uh, who have gone through this exact same cycle multiple times. Well, they, they, well, they, they actually... The first thing they they did was, welcome to Perpetual. Welcome, I'm your game master. Uh, soon you're going to climb up this ladder. So they actually did... They redo the, the intro They were yeah. intro yeah. speed. Yeah. And then they like have this And we're all standing eye. there... Yeah. Dumbfounded. Yeah. I think... Well, I mean, I got it like that, but yeah, yeah. I I totally got it, but I don't think the rest of my team got it. They were like, uh, they were they were kind of like, yeah, I guess. Like the 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 staff member was like, so are you ready? And uh, people from my team were like, yeah. Let's do this again. Yeah, but that's the end of the script. So that's the end. Yeah. Right. So so your clones, you're going through an eternal cycle, and whether you made a yes or no choice did not matter because. Making, turning off the machine would have alerted the scientist who would have just restarted it. Saying yes means like you're you're going through it. You know you've been relying on the knowledge from your previous self. So it's a paradox somehow, an eternal paradox in a non in a physical space. Whatever. What does cloning have to do with time looping? It has nothing. To That's do. why it doesn't make sense to me because it's like yeah. even if you're a clone, you could just walk up and what would would make it start over again. There, the thing about it though is that there would have been ma- ways to make that work. Yes, yes. Yeah, I hear yes. that storyline definitely quite works. Good. Like I like it, and you could really like set that up, like seeing these actions that you've taken before. Yeah. Mm. But when I, I think of think like something re- repeating, and that's why we're so angry. So exactly. <laughs> that's where the salt is coming. Can I just mention? I feel like there was a great opportunity. So um, there's this video game, dual video game uh, called Moirai by Chris Johnson where mm. you play through the game, um, there's a character, you ask questions, it asks you questions, you, you figure out what happened to a character and so on, and at, and at the very end you get to enter your own input into the game. That input then gets used uh, as a prompt for the next player that plays the game. And the prompt that you were asked was the prompt from the previous player. Mm-hmm. There could have been some sort of like really elegant or interesting nuanced way of uh implementing something like that thinking about that ending like many of these games had similar endings where you made a choice about two different things and then the narrative would be like oh you lost or oh you did good but it wouldn't actually change the story very much so i would say in general the style of the rooms is you're going through them everything leads to a padlock and they're all the same types of padlock so Mm -hmm. that's one thing um, there were a lot of math-based puzzles and several dexterity puzzles, um, yeah. which are very, very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Oh. Did anyone play Secret or Hocus? Or yes. 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 That, 
So we nailed that one somehow. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that was, that was amazing. What you've been doing. <laughs> they, they did it together. Yeah. yeah. Very surprising. It, it fell through twice and then we yeah. got it on the whole the next time. You wanted to do it by yourself. I did. Yeah. Um, I actually really want to ask all of you a question by, again, posing like my experience as like a relative newbie to escape rooms, which is that I felt as though, um, to varying degrees, but like, for example, especially with Dreadnought, there is a huge problem in information bottlenecking. Yes. Yeah. Um, that was largely based on, like, physical bottlenecking. Yep. Yes. Um, we were talking earlier about the architecture. Like, uh, to the point where you get out and you're having to explain what happened to each other because you missed things, yep. because you all got through a puzzle that not everyone even experienced, um, which, again, makes it hard for there to be different roles because there's not actually physical room or time or the uh, kind of possibility space for you to, to cooperate. Is that common yes. for escape rooms yeah absolutely like we call um that designing for froth which is a term from larping it's the collective myth making that you're having the conversation after the games happened mm-hmm. so it's like wasn't it so cool when you were doing this and this person was over here mm-hmm. so you're sort of like crafting your own story afterward it is a very delicate art to make that mm-hmm. fun and to not make you feel like you've missed out on something. Each person still needs to have their own storyline yes. to come back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One person having a storyline, three people having the back of your head. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, can, can we just say that um, both sets of escape room designers in the room who uh, we talked to a couple days ago, Jay and Laura and mm-hmm. Shanglung and Alex, uh, both of you have made more nonlinear uh, escape yeah. rooms, right? Where multiple groups of people can solve kind of puzzles and parallels. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Where where all the breakout new, uh, like, like very loudly signal their linearity. Yeah, yeah. Like I was um, really surprised by the fact that they put a little symbol, like their logo plus a number, yes, on every single puzzle, and it's mm-hmm. like it kind of ruined it. Like here's yeah. the puzzle, guys. This is puzzle number one. Look at me, and yeah. it's just like. That ruins it because it's like, okay, I can see it's a puzzle. I don't have to do any more work here. This was actually the first time that uh, we played an escape room where the puzzles were actually Mm. marked. And they tell you which, like, what order to do them in as well. And for me, that's like kind of the core issue that uh, I won't say to the dreaded words, but there's a. Let's say tension between the gameplay and the narrative experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like dissonance, one might say. Right, like, you know, strategically with the roles, you're trying to metagame this, but the environment is so beautiful that you yes. just want to have an experience, and the two clash entirely. And I will say, too, that it does become necessary, like, structurally, because there's vestigial puzzles in some of them that they have not removed, and it's obviously some sort of former thing. And without those numbers, it's not entirely clear. What's what's an example of one of the vestigial puzzles? Did you you clear the secret of Hocus? So in that the, has yeah. at least two puzzles that could even be, like, toned down so they weren't obvious. Like, they still have stickers on them that are like, this is part of a puzzle. Yeah. But, but, but not, not a number, wow. but stickers from symbols mm. from other parts of the room, and there's there's a oh, giant yeah. box with holes in holes. it. Holes. Wow. And it was that like clearly some sort of sword insertion, and it, yeah. it seemed like a physical. Maybe you drop a ball on the top, and you're I like, think you, you, you like lift something from you the bottom, the ball yeah. Up, yeah. And get it at the top, and that's how you get the ball for the yeah. piece. And they did mm. give us sticks, <laughs> so we were like trying to do it, not because well. In our one, we spent about 15 minutes. Um, called called for a hint, and then had to call for a human to point at a key that was just laying on the ground because it had fallen there. So that was we we, we went back and we were like deep diving into everything just to figure out. Yeah. What that we was missed. the Hocus one though had one of the best examples of actually properly splitting out. It felt like that scene in the Fifth Element where everybody splits up and gets an element because there's the three sides of this box you yeah. need to open, yeah. and there's three books. 
And so we naturally, we had yeah. three people at least kind of like working yeah. at that moment. And that was really cool. It's like split off, but all doing the same thing at the same time. But it was very rare that I saw that. Yeah, it's a nice theatrical moment that draws everybody into the room at the same time for the finale. Mm. So that is important. Although the finale is the lights go out. That's, that's yeah, yeah, right. that's there's true. just nothing. There's nothing to complete. It's it it like it's a scene. Who's incredibly out of breath comes right. running well, up she, to you because she'd come in to point out the, the key and then ran she the opposite direction all the way back around to the door where she's waiting oh, for no. us to figure out that the door is open. Oh. And she was visibly of just falling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I liked about today as well is how much all of those attendants really cared about what yeah. we thought yes. and wanted yeah. our feedback and yes. asked explicitly for yeah. our advice even and um, yeah that was really a huge really contrast nice. against like our previous experiences <laughs> yes. we, we played yeah we played one where it was fresh they had changed a puzzle that literally that day yeah which was, was Rembrandt, and it was mm, uh, Goldie, <laughs> Alex, Teddy, and I. It and was terribly hard. One of the <laughs> employees had like a little design jam session with us after we were done, asking us specifically about puzzles, about what we would change, mm. Um, mm. which is super mm. fun. Yeah, it was nice. Aww. There was the actual kind of children's Fallout style children's book that was in um, yeah. that oh, was yeah. in one of the escape rooms that had been designed yes. by the company. Well, yeah. Why was Cinderella thrown off the basketball team? What? She ran away from the ball. Uh, ha, ha. I, was, I thought she couldn't shoot. I don't know. Okay. Let's work out which Did one you hear skill. about the guy who got hit in the head with a can of soda? No. Don't. He was lucky he was a soft drink. Okay. Uh, so, Sean Lin has found a cringe. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm taking the cringe book from Sean Lin because. Sorry. What's on um, the shelves? Yeah. Where do we need to move things it, to? It appears to just be a red There was a lot of sort of love and care and snark. Yeah. That was in that, and I think also the attendance, um, uh, compared to the other ones that we've seen, had to kind of be part of the worlding a lot more um, because of the fact that um, even if it was you know maybe a little ham-fisted in the way they were trying to execute some of the story, they they were often trying to do something that was maybe um, a little bit of a troll or trying to have, like, a red herring ending in one of the cases um, in the... Was it Medica Magica? I can't remember. Materia Magica. Materia Magica. Medica. There's no magic. (laughs) Oh, they're all magic. It's all magic. Yeah. Yeah. It's all magical. But that one actually had, like, a a kind of red herring in it that that made it such that the, you know, the the employee had to sort of become part of of the story with this, like, extra diegetic mm. stuff that was going But in. that's what I, to go back to the computer, that's what I felt so fascinating, because the computer almost felt like this fantasy of, like, ah, now we'll finally get even get rid of the onboarding to have the self-running escape room, but it almost felt like the opposite, that, like, like, yeah. like there even had to be more, so I, I thought that was just, uh, it was not what it seemed on the surface. Yeah, I just wanted to add, too, because we've been critical of this in a, in a I think, a healthy, productive way, that it's because we really enjoyed it so oh, much. Yeah. Like, the world-building and the stories, and even the themes that they're doing are totally different mm. to anything I've played in any other country. It was a really yeah. pleasant, mm. yeah. pleasant time. So, like, even though some, <laughs> like some of the puzzle or mechanical stuff might have not been a complete success, like, I really enjoyed what they were trying to do. Yeah, yeah. if we're being harsh, mm. it's Now there's something to talk about. Yeah. Right, it's because, like, you the previous the rooms... We knew that they were terrible, and so they're being terrible. The previous previous suites. Sorry, pardon me. Not this one, but like other escape rooms. Whereas this one is like the fancy house where the doorknob falls off once in a while. Yeah. And that just makes that really disappointing, even though the rest of the house is so fancy. It's because the rest of the house is so fancy. So kudos to them for that. Do you think. That's a nice salt. 
Yeah, it's like <laughs> nice. with a little sugar. Yeah. 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 Salty and sweet. Um, do you think the onboarding and offboarding experience would have been more pleasant or more coherent if the the hosts were in character, embedded within the world? I don't think they would have had time to change. I yeah. think acting would be that the weakest it. narrative point. It generally yeah. would. You know, I think that as an example with the cloning one, um, having the video intro, or sorry, having the intro be a video that you're just, it starts again. Right, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Somebody had pointed out it would be cool to see yourselves on video, um, being shown to repeat it, or as if mm. it was from the past. Mm. Like, there's a lot or of the ways previous to... group or something. Yeah, yeah. this Some, is something that suggests the loop. A tiny detail, but you know how. So you get into these rooms and this video screen starts playing, and it plays the same video which lasts for about forty-five seconds or a minute, and then it plays a thirty-second storytelling video. And what's beautiful about that, and I hadn't realized until just now, is that for that first minute, no one is watching the video. They're just scrounging around looking for puzzles, looking for numbers, looking for codes. And then they get this sweet little break and they stop what they're doing and they watch 30 seconds of narrative and then go back to it. It kind of, it's good for the brain, I think. So I'm a stickler for the methods of communication, communicating narrative in these. Do you remember any of the story that was related to you in that 30 seconds? Did anybody actually watch it or mm-hmm. absorb any of it? I did. Yeah. The I art did. one. I screamed at everyone when yeah. the story was starting because yeah. I was really into this video. I wanted to yeah. see them too. Yeah, we were, what, the it pro was art rebels. And yeah, so it was like yeah. the nouveau something versus like uh, this German-esque German-sounding, imperial-sounding In like a the... fantastic uh, Prussia-esque fantasy landscape where it, art it, was outlawed. So they had decided that art was undermining their power, and so they outlawed it and destroyed it. Was so it necessary to get that? that was it necessary to get that from a thirty-minute or sorry, thirty-second narration, or did the room itself it, already convey I don't that? Think it really conveyed it. Like if I'd rocked up and they hadn't said that to me, I would have thought, "Oh, I'm just trying to move through." A train carriage yeah. in this wow. place. It was great context because it, it said you have snuck into the place that you're in. Right. And it created like mm-hmm. a sort of tension that, for example, to pull from video games, like I got really strongly from Portal, where like you never encounter a character, but since someone is talking to you, I played that game for the first time and felt as though I might see someone. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone might catch yeah. you. The way I would design that is to have you actually sneak into the thing yeah. and yeah. then to have mm. the actual material in the room so that yeah. you don't need to be told it. We did have to break it. We did have yeah. to break into every new space. Like so this is jimmying locks. So that should, and, that's you know, enough. Literally, we opened a chest and there was a bent coat hanger. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, oh, this is like when you lock your keys in the car. We and I'd, to, like, yeah. and I'd seen this mirror and was like, oh, there's a lock that you can see. And so as soon as I saw that, I just knew I had to lift the window. Like Notion of Portal is really kind of apt here because in this one at least you're in this Victorian train. Uh, but then you exit a window, and it's a post-apocalyptic, mm-hmm. retro, Soviet-like Soviet Berlin Wall spray paint. With a flag. And you find out you're actually, the train is in a graveyard inside this space, and you have to route it to the, the, he, the country. Yeah. And one of the most interesting moments was you, you have to steal some art, right? And you specifically have to steal a Rembrandt. They give you 20 cut paintings... 
And it's up to you to pick canvas. which one is a Rembrandt. So I'm, I'm, rifling, I'm, I'm rifling through these 27 paintings. There's a Mona, the Mona Lisa was the first one I saw them, so yeah, it's pretty mm-hmm. obvious. There's a Scream, there's a bunch of others. I'm looking for Rembrandt paintings. Sure. I don't know what you would do if you can't correctly identify Rembrandt paintings. Like, you'd be in a bit of a pickle if you don't know which is which. I don't know how people are expected to have that knowledge. But she's found the correct one. And there are two. The thing is, there were two Rembrandts in there. There was that was, <laughs> was yeah, there was the, the, the anatomy class, and then the the, the stormy seas of yeah. whatever the one that's actually been stolen. But having to like sit there and pick a painting, yeah. uh, is something that uses an outside skill that you'd have to bring with you. It's not a puzzle that you could solve through noticing something Well, in the I think room. we were going to get out of the room either way. Yeah. The, the attendant was just like, you, you, you chose the correct painting, therefore you well, get so, this ending. So this is what I wanted to make a little clearer. So the who, just to be, the person who verified that you picked the correct grammar was the attendant at the end? Yes. Because yes. this seemed to be a feature of all the rooms mm. where, yes. and I agree it wasn't done completely successfully, but it's quite different that it's not just a binary, you beat the room in time or not. There was always this, where there was an explicit question, okay, well, did you pick the right thing? Um, mm-hmm. there was, that happened really interestingly in the uh, Medica one, but uh, for Dreadnought, for example, it was more of a story one, okay, did you figure out the story? So there yeah, was almost this yeah. much like, not binary softer like you can win but not as well as other people Um, (laughs) but i not that that was successful but it was interesting to see them uh break the binary of winning and losing like there were bonus questions you could answer after um we actually used to have that in our in our earthrise one prototype yes where actually our win-lose conditions were not can you escape or not because you come back either way um but it was did you do certain things? These and one of it was bring back the correct plant um, mm-hmm. for our research. And it was quite interesting because a lot of people at the end, because it wasn't like a linear where you have to get to a certain place to escape. Everyone finished coming out the same time anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people just scrambled at the end and just chose any random plant. It was like, here <laughs> it is. Because they hadn't solved that puzzle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> to, to circle back around and kind of answer the question about the video, yeah. um, I do, I do like it because it creates like a pinch point of everyone focusing and it's not relying on one person to read out a letter to everyone or anything. Mm-hmm. But um, also in this particular room that we played, the video made sense in that context because they themed it very like, you're fighting a war, this is a war propaganda video. And so it felt like something you would reasonably watch before going into the fight. But many of them mm-hmm. didn't have that sort of context. Yeah. And I totally think there's a way to do it like mm-hmm. in a way that makes sense. But I'll also point out that the timer was running during the playing of those videos. Yeah. So you're yeah. actually like yeah. wasting the player's yeah. time mm-hmm. for, for what I feel is yeah. no reason. Yeah, I and I don't think that's fair to people. And you could be playing ambient war footage yeah. on the screens Absolutely. of the train as you go through. And what a reveal would it have been to be in that train and then, then to come out and yeah. be like, what actually is happening here? That would have been great. I think so it's that it's that that makes you also salty is that with just a few tweaks it could be it could transcend like that kind of level I don't think I'm salty it's just that because we're making we're doing this world building the world building is our job I think I agree with Laura in that um, that story that's portrayed in the video can be embedded within the environment Um, that being said though it could also be missed if it's not executed well um 
And I feel like that's perhaps where the video comes in. Yeah. Well, I had lots of fun. And I think um, if anybody who works on those games is listening to this, uh, I want to thank you very much for making them. Uh, yeah. Tomorrow, we're going to be playing more escape rooms. Yes. What? I think we're still in this for <laughs> yeah. a little while yet. I don't yeah. even think we're at the halfway point. We're going to have another guest. Yeah. Uh, oh, good. Yeah. And we're going to keep going. I don't actually know the details about what we're doing tomorrow. It's yeah. kind of a blur at it this point. It is kind of a blur. <coughs> thank you, rooms. Teddy. Thank you for having me. For joining us. Thanks, thank you. Thanks, Teddy, yeah. with the pros. <laughs> hopefully we can hit karaoke before the week is over. Yeah, it's it's going to be hard to tonight. Touch, though, right. Right. <laughs> today was like the total experience. Mm. And the weather was hot today as well. Kuala Lumpur has got a very lovely climate. Yeah. <laughs>
And yes, you know right. that he knows he knows. Yes. That you know. It's just that scene from The Princess Bride. Yeah. There you go. Escape room. It'd be yeah. so cool if you could do, like, poisoning that's non-painful. Laxatives. Like, like, well, no, I was going to say, like, something that turns your lips a color. And people could be like, oh, you got poisoned. You have to, like, lie down for Actually, 30 minutes because you've been, like, poisoned. Yeah. If you like the super uh, high-end fabrication minimalist escape room. So, room of bars, a few of them slip, but you got to figure it out. Room that seems uh, a box. Some walls are pushable, but it's impossible to see which ones. So, it's about, like, enjoying really nice fabrication of spaces. Rooms that are completely blank and remain completely blank, and all you do is very, very abstract things. Mm-hmm. Actually, a hundred boxes is mm-hmm. my we do that? Of that. I love this. Okay, so like box one, you open it up and it's just a UV torch, and you turn on the UV torch, and the answer to the next box is written on the back of the box. And box two, you open the box, and it's just a single equation puzzle, and you go through each of these tropes of escape rooms, box by box by box. A um, cube. Like, like yeah, sure. Well, n- no, because it just should start off incredibly banal and methodical. Mm-hmm. Like, this is exactly what happens in every escape room. And the point at which you start running out of ideas, that's when the boxes have to get, like, super a bit weird or a bit, like, they're pushing the envelope. Box where just a hundred keys fall out, making fun of the fact that sometimes there's red herrings and you just have to go methodically through these keys. Um. I love this. We were talking about this earlier. I want the comedy of escape room games. Or we were saying yeah. the Kaizo Mario of escape yeah, room yeah, yeah. games. So I love this. The invisible like, block of escape room games. It's just going, oh, the designer got me again. <laughs> playing on tropes. In, in the case of Kaizo Mario, tropes of Super Mario World. Yes, yes. Using them in inventive ways. So but I, it yeah, needs yeah. to have a slow burn, and it yeah. needs to have the feeling of, like, there are so many boxes Too left many to boxes. go. Too many boxes. But by the time you get to box 1991-92, the puzzles are actually super inventive yeah. and wild and have used the mechanics of 1, 2, 3. Like, box 100 requires you to revisit every single box and unlock a new secret about the box. Yep. And then you walk out of the room, and that's actually only box 1 out of 100 rooms. <laughs> and each room has 100 boxes. And so that's been like... <laughs> you can call it Curiosity Box, colon, what's inside. <laughs> that's true. That's very good. I like it. <laughs> I like a hundred boxes. Yeah. One thing I like about this is it strikes me as a really good uh, teaching tool because it's hard and expensive to make escape rooms, Mm -hmm. but it's not hard to buy 10 boxes, balsa wood boxes from Michael's. And so group of 10 students, 10 boxes each go and they each get to have their own style for their series. That's Um, the class. That's the class. That's the teaching escape room class. I would teach you do it with the boxes. Yeah. And then you visit a bunch of escape rooms. Yeah. So, like, okay, I was imagining it like Cube, where when you set a box, I think you're going into the next cube-shaped room. Like, no, 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 no. A tiny, little box with just a lock on it. And this is a room with a hundred So you boxes walk in, and it's like, oh, God, I have to get through a hundred Oh, boxes. interesting. Okay. Uh, Do you want to join us? We're, we're doing an Speculative escape rooms. Just whatever. I just going to say goodnight. <laughs> oh, that breath of uh, cold fresh air. air. It's quite nice. <laughs> the air. When you showed up, suddenly the air feels better. Okay, an escape room set in a blank theater set, and it's narrative based, and as you continue to make choices, you get decorations and slowly turn the empty theater oh, set into a space that reflects a story that you've chosen. I have a similar one. Escape room where you show up in an apartment. In an actual apartment building, and you enter, and it's empty, except for four boxes that you have to unpack. And in unpacking the boxes, some things are really clear. Kitchen stuff goes in the kitchen. (laughs) You learn about the person you're helping unpack, right? Right, You know their most intimate details. It's like Gone Home, the escape room. But you're putting everything up. 
Uh, there's a Melbourne game being developed at the moment that is that exact idea. No! Yeah, video game. Oh. <laughs> I can move back to like variations on the material on the material based one or like the actual physical escape room because mm-hmm. again that's like what I first thought an escape room was mm-hmm. it was just like a locked room that you have to physically break out of mm-hmm. and, and then like of course that raises questions about safety but I feel like there's so much cool stuff you could do with fabrication like I've always been really obsessed with hedge mazes mm-hmm. and I find it really interesting when like for example a, a film will use a hedge maze because a it's a maze and they use that a little bit but then they also deal with the physicality of hedges like you can get through a hedge but it slows you down and like you don't necessarily know where you are so the idea that um you've created a space that you need to navigate or somehow escape and they're like the physical space of it is malleable in a way that isn't just keys and locks mm. it's really interesting to me logistically it'd probably be a nightmare uh at sunway pyramid there's the water park so you go down a water slide and you end up like at the end of the bottom of the slide in a new room what? And you're slow. It's slowly. No, I'm saying this is what it should be. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is real. And then, like the, the ceiling closes above you, and you're trapped underwater. And you're drowning. And you're drowning. <laughs> and <laughs> well, then you just die. No, no. no. And then the water dra- the water drains out. So they've got a water drain <laughs> oh, system, right? Yeah. yeah, you're freaking out for about ten seconds, but it drains Aquatic out. Aquatic water slide escape room is immediately like hell yeah. Would be. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's go through the elements: fire in an escape room, like. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the escape room where there's a huge tunnel that you have to slide through and then, like, fall into, like, a big pool of water. Who would want to do that? Like, like a- that's the start of it, right? Like, everybody has to, like... Oh, my God. And then you're just, like, treading water yeah. in an yeah. escape room. So good. Yeah. And you have so to d- dive down to do puzzles. Oh, no. Yeah. 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 We yeah. need to do an escape room. Yeah. The water's just swimming rising. Pool. We have a huge swimming pool here. We have to make a swimming pool escape room. Swimming pool escape room. Swimming pool escape room. Fetching coins off the bottom of a pool is a classic pastime. So these are not <laughs> that different. Here we go. Remember that like conversational based escape rooms like escape a bad date or like you, you sit at a table <laughs> yeah. and like there are rules. Like you can't just literally get up and walk away. You have to like politely excuse yourself and it's just like somehow scripted and somehow limiting your options. That's really good. Like Whoa. Uh, it's always like other those players. Maybe we use the, the sort of mission thing where it's like you have to like there's some things you need to accomplish or information you need to get. Right. You're trying to get out of that conversation. This adds like the the werewolf or like the ship or th- mm. that kind of mechanic to the escape room where you So that's the thing about the jobs from tonight's escape room is they didn't actually have the one that we talked about in was it this morning's podcast? Where somebody is actually trying to stump the other teammates by Saying the wrong we thing or today. hiding yeah. the key right, or the like spy fall of I really where you're actually trying to mechanic. lose the escape room. Yeah, uh, where one of you gets the job handed to you, where it's you only win uh, if your yeah. team loses. But you could out. come up with a set of rules, right, about like what the traitor mechanic can do. Like do. maybe you can't hide keys, but maybe. you can suggest false. But then I do sort of like if it's like again. a really big key and you like stuff it in your pants, and so like everybody's eyeing each other's pants looking for like <laughs> unusual bulges. Like like you can do whatever you want, or like you sort of position yourself. Like I don't know. Like it, it seems like. There, there'd be a lot of fun that you could have, or you're like the person who goes all in on like trying to like you try to like shang lun it, but you're really like what? fucking everything. Why does my name become this verb? <laughs> you're just, your name is the equivalent of super saiyaning it. Ooh, ooh, okay, so <laughs> I'm just remembering that I haven't seen this film yet, but a quiet place or quiet room or whatever you yeah, don't like speak a yeah. Quiet yeah. Room. no sound yeah. Yeah. no sound at all yeah, yeah exactly right. so if you if you like pass a certain level you fail or you lose, or like, you lose time yeah, no, yeah not just no talking but like 
the you know the keys are metal. The keys or like, jingle, and you, you have, have to, to catch something before it falls on the ground. Mm. A vase shatters into. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> and maybe there are moments where you have to yell to do something, but you lose that time, There's or you lose that person. Yes. Yes. They die. Yeah. Escape rooms where you're in control of only one body part. So one person is the mouth. One person is the arm. One person is. I think I want a puzzle like that, and I don't want an entire Ooh. escape room like that. Yes. There was a piece of theater I saw that was in New York for a long time at uh, Union Square called De La Guarda, which was like this square room that you go into, and it was a kind of um, aerobatic or acrobatic show that was also like there was like nudity and contemporary dance and like live painting and stuff. But it starts Wait, with everyone in a room, and they close the doors, and there's no stage or anything. You're just the room is filled, and the ceiling is like ten feet high. Um, and then suddenly the lights go out and you see like lights hitting the ceiling and you realize the ceiling is paper and then like colors start splashing on it. And then the first thing that happens is a person crashes through the paper on a bungee and grabs somebody who I don't, I still to this day don't know if they were just an audience member or a cast member and then boop, bungees bite. <laughs> the person is gone. And like, like rapid ejection of characters from your game would be super that terrifying. Would be, cool. It'd be like getting Fulton from Metal Gear. Yeah. We, trap, do- yeah. trap doors. Like, trap doors. you know, one of those like yeah. completely like off your feet and you fall into yeah. a pit yeah. 10 feet down. Like yeah. there's like the evil CEO Safety. like yeah, uh, exactly. push a button yeah. and yeah. like yes. on the bottom or something. That's great. <laughs> um, oh, the Japanese game show stuff, right? Where the floor is tilting slowly and you know that you're going to fall at yeah. some point because yeah. it keeps tilting and you have the time pressure of it tilting. What? I suddenly... I was not having a very a lot of weird thoughts this time. <laughs> and um I had this image with the bungee jumping thing. You know how in some shows, like showgirl type shows and stuff, someone emerges from a ceiling with like the dazzling lights and they're like rotating and they're mm-hmm. like, ta da you know. I had this image of that being the last thing for one room where the players are lowered down and they're like what's happening we're being lowered down it turns out that it's a huge time, it's this time room for another escape room <laughs> like what the fuck why is people descending from the ceiling <laughs> right okay. escape room interconnectivity where teams are forced to become the props for another escape room. Yeah. Escape room where you're watching other people play escape rooms. I yeah. actually think this Boy, meta escape room would forgive a lot of the genre tropes where you start in a haunted house and then you move into a spy, then you move into a spaceship, then you move into... Um, so there's like a connection between many clear escape rooms. And the broken puzzles and stuff are because you're moving through a game maker's uh, space. You can or combine it with the space. idea of like the floor that's tilting where it's actually a six-walled cube and it, it just toggles floor every like oh, 90 seconds. Yeah, so like, if you haven't finished a floor, you can see it and you keep thinking uh, about yeah. it. It's like, oh, or it's above you. Yeah, right? or it's like it's totally it, and like you control sense. which way it moves. Yeah. Oh, I was just thinking or you would like randomly shuffle. You have to context switch really fast. <laughs> yeah, I'll get to that. Okay. Fourth dimensional like Tesseract room. <laughs> uh, centrifuge room. Like you're just constantly spinning oh. and having to <laughs> <laughs> fight this no. force pulling you to the, ed- the edges. That's why I get vomit everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not um, doing that. Other materials. A uh, room made entirely of mirrors. So this is a thing. But they're all mm. one-way mirrors and people are watching you from the outside. Yeah, I'm really into the like, maybe that... Feeds into the like back to Funhouse, or no the single the single player room we saw at the opening of the mall, like where yeah. one person was doing this and yeah, out, but with a huge audience. Um, 
Yes, yeah, so somehow I want that. Like it was almost like what Alex was saying. Somehow you're now being spectated by lots of people. You were talking about like, speaking of like spectation or people watching you. you we, were, we were talking about laser tag earlier. Yes. Has anyone done like stealth escape room where like it's literally just a stealth game and there are things looking for you that like, yes. you don't want to be seen by? Yes. So Art Heist um, mm-hmm. by Jetpack Collective in Sydney. Okay. Uh, I think is really genius because it takes uh, dif- the concept of difficulty and turns it into emotion. So instead of dynamic difficulty adjustment, they make dynamic emotional adjustment. So some people want to do the heist game really seriously, and then the guards will adjust emotionally to that and become really serious. Some people want to play it as a comedy, and they adjust to that and make it into a comedy. So there are actors who are... Yes, exactly. And they turn it into improv because they come from a theater background. But, mm-hmm. you but are, you're sneaking around. You're sneaking and around, and you're going game. around, and you're trying to like coordinate and look at the bank plans and like deactivate the lasers well, and steal this... small-time criminals in Melbourne, where there's a, a physical guard, and so there's these... like stealth moments where everyone like runs into the bathroom and then you can see them with does them. the guard have to be honest about it like no so they specifically like pretend not to see uh, yeah. um, I mean this is the thing that's the difference between the two rooms where small time criminals has that as the interjection art heist is all that but small time criminals has this other thing where you're trying to scoop up a bunch of like loot as you run through the room so you're constantly right. is they, that right yeah, yeah like risking it it's all not the a time it's to a get like score the most loot like doubloons as yeah. you run through this bank Amani, um, myself, and Chad, and a couple other people were involved in this cardboard castle escape room that I designed and built in a Gertrude Contemporary Art Gallery at um, Amani's husband's space. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was this massive cardboard construction that was super fragile, actually, but people treated it very well as a result, and it made you feel like a child again. Mm-hmm. It's quite beautiful. But I want to go a step further and say, like, what's the most fragile material we can make it out of? Mm-hmm. Like paper and glass and... Tissue paper, you know, those four escape room. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can't put puppies in an escape room made of paper. People who live in glass houses. Yeah. And then, like, the final uh, thing is to break it with a stone. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Good. Oh, man. To be in an escape room that is posh or glass, and the only key you have is a stone on the floor. Is sugar glass expensive? It's time expensive. It's not money expensive. Mm. You just replace the pain that you yeah. have to jump through. Or there's like four pains if there's four players and you have to jump through it. The solution is and a box. And they take a photo of you like at a Disney ride. A box of live ants that you release into the sugar <laughs> and they wait for them to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, an escape room that takes 100 years. Oh, uh, like Anathem by Neil Stevenson. <laughs> yeah. Move on from that reference. Shumun <laughs> <laughs> also had the idea of an escape room that you can visit daily, but only for like 10 minutes. Right. So it's like, it's open and you're it's allowed like to visit in. <laughs> But you're only allowed to visit for five minutes. Yeah. Or when, yeah. Why not? How does it work? I don't know. Collective. Oh. <laughs> okay. An escape room that somebody's designing at the same time as you're solving. And they're trying to design, like a team is designing as quickly as you can solve. You can do it in VR. Um, because you just log into your person. So it would feel like you're in an escape room that you literally get ripped out of. And then like, come back into it for 10 minutes a day. Oh, yeah. But that's... Just to logistically make yeah, it possible, yeah. right? So, you know, in the, in the States, they sometimes show up to an escape room with friends and they put you with other strangers, and mm-hmm. that's, like, kind of weird. I wonder if you could go, like, full consequential on that. So it's an escape room that you only play with strangers or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An escape yeah. room that you don't consent to. That was in my that was in my head, too. It was, like, <laughs> you write down times during the week where you had available, and one time during these times, so I would come in a big dog pound. That yes, yes. Okay, and come and nab you, and, and then you sedate you. Right. <laughs> when that you exists. wake up, you're in a cage with five other people dressed up as dogs. 
<laughs> Wait, are you imagining a dog catcher with like a big net that like comes and gets you? You get shoved into a dog costume. <laughs> you wake up in a dog costume. It's so specific. I love it. <laughs> Oh, it's I like that's it. all the onboarding you need. It's like One dog costume, cop. <laughs> an escape room that is uh, five by five by five with leg holes, and <laughs> everybody playing has to stick their legs in and manipulate everything with toes touching. <laughs> Strangest toes only. Yeah. <laughs> uh, an escape room where you're inside of a box full of holes, and you, like the entire escape room is actually on the outside of the box. Oh, so you just like walking around in But you can like poke your arms. Right, you can, you can like put your legs into the holes and walk into the other side. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I do like the escape cruise and some things like that uh, that start to get at like other earlier genres of like immersive play. Week long escape room. No, I'm totally gonna take a left turn. Please, okay, it. like a normcore escape room. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, like your dress, job. Like normcore. Yeah, it's like the, again, to go back to like psychological escape, it's like you're in a board meeting and there is like a really mundane problem that needs to be solved organizationally. <laughs> and you have to help them solve it so that you can leave. Aren't there some of the things like this in like the East Bay, like Berkeley area? Like where you're literally working a day job. Nine to five. This is more in like oh, LARP really? territory, but like you show up and you have a desk and you like have to do your job and that's the game. Data entry? Yeah. Data entry in the game. I think there's like a twist to it where you rebel or like do something sneaky at the job, uh, politically, but I think that it does have a nine to five schedule. An escape room. So this gets into like more like full on LARP kind mm-hmm. of stuff. When it when it's these long time based yeah. immersive things. Yeah, there aren't a lot of like domestic Themed escape rooms. Have like abandon seen? your family? Like, yeah. Wait, no, wait, wait, wait. You're going to work <laughs> just and you need like, to find oh, your keys, <laughs> wallet, phone. Or like you, uh, you lock okay. yourself out of your house <laughs> and you hear a crying baby and you're like walking around trying to get in because you're, you This like, happened to me the other day at our place where I locked myself out. I waited until <laughs> folks came principal. in the back like garage door, went up to the second floor, walked down the service hallway, and found my way into our place because we forgot to lock the upstairs door. Uh, an escape room with 12 false endings. Each more elaborate than the previous yeah, one. Yeah, I love Whoa. that. Whoa. Wait, Whoa. So stop everything. Chad is like very... Uh, patiently, like, writing escape room ideas on his phone instead of saying them. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Chad is, Chad, for Chad. Chad is playing so the escape room where he doesn't talk. A two-player physical VR escape room where both players are in separate rooms but only see the other player's view. Yeah. Yeah, okay, was this Was this your idea? Except I want them to be in the same room so they're constantly bumping into each other. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just like, oh, no, I can't walk there. The other person is... Physically there. It's like the uh, those mirror rooms in video games where you bump into yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the other person. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, an escape room where you uh, have where you fall in love. Oh. What? I don't know what that means yet. An escape room that makes you cry. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast over. We 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 made me cry. The citizen pain of escape room. <laughs> It's just, it's just like the last puzzle is like, chop a hundred onions. 
Right, okay. Uh, Cooking Mama Escape Room or WarioWare Escape Room? Escape yeah. Room? Yeah. Mario Party. Oh my god, an overcooked escape room where you have to make four burgers to get out. <laughs> oh yeah, because you, really, really you couldn't pay the bill. So you had to work in the kitchen instead yeah. of cleaning like, dishes for some reason. Somebody has to get clean, life clean plates. Somebody has to... Yeah. That's no, 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 this is game. Yeah, it's, it's, all, it's called the Fourth of July. It's an American debt game. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. It's a politics game. Yeah. So the difficulty level in American Escape Room is what happened to you? Did you break your leg? You needed an X-ray. You're in ten thousand dollars of debt, and nice. like that's level one. It just gets worse. We can mm. pull out of this. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it seems like the. The, the, can the escape room support thematically dark themes, like for example, escaping America, ICE, right? <laughs> escaping like, ICE detention, detention centers? Facility. When like that's actually going on, like is it too glib to even mm. think about using this genre? Like that, like well, serious been, games of escape rooms. So, so yeah, this I don't yeah. Know. there's a VR game that's like uh, a prison cell, right? That. People have been talking about where you stay in there for X number of hours, and it's the specific architecture of a certain prison cell. I know um, there are people making escape rooms in a, in a good way about colonialism. Um, really? Yeah, just like critiquing this idea that normally in escape rooms you're stealing artifacts from ancient cultures, and mm-hmm. nobody ever asks why that's okay. Chad <laughs> says an escape room where you escape back to the lobby only to find you're still. Yeah, that's the ten false endings we were talking. Well, about. Yeah, exactly. Well, how about, how about there's like a copy of the lobby, so it looks exactly the same. Yes. yes. Uh, so like you think you're in it, but like something's really wrong. Uh, I actually like the escape room where you loop back around to another team's solved puzzles, and there's a second layer of puzzle solving using the locks that fell on the floor and the already open doors of the team that went before. I like the idea of an escape room series where when you finish it, you all have to exit in different directions and then you're immediately connected to another team of four of people you've never met before. (gasps) Yeah, good. And if you do a lot of them, you would end up meeting some of the same people again, but you're always kind of being separated and regrouped and stuff. Boy, like the logistics of it would work out, but you'd Mm. need 16, say, people playing at the same time. You're constantly combining. And the knowledge from the previous thing is combined. Mm. Yeah. Is it, like a tele- game of telephone. Like Witness. Not The Witness. <laughs> has, has anyone done the, like, themed escape room where you're in an escape room? Like, it just seems like... I'd be surprised if no one's done this yet. Like, There's a lot of escape room that's gone escape wrong, the, and the you meta. have to escape that the... Met. Has anyone done Does that Does that work if they tell you that's what the theme is, though? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they have to... How do you how do you get that sense of like surprise? Well, this gets back. Oh, we back need to you the... to prototype this escape room for us. No, no, no I think it gets back. It's to a secret. Okay, no, sorry, I, that, but also a secret escape room at every escape room yeah, franchise. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, where have... like if you do all the escape rooms, they tell what? you, hey, like thanks for being our great customer. Can you help us prototype this escape room? But it's actually a kidnapping center, and they harvest their <laughs> organs. <laughs> <laughs> Doug. <laughs> Doug, back to you. I think I think the meta escape room is just like here's a fiction. You got stuck in this escape room, but like something's gone wrong, so that you like see all this dressing. It's like the portal, right? right. Where eventually you break out of the like fictional escape room, mm. and then there's like the offices around the escape room with like the, the employees who have written the game about designer the escape asked room you and, like, to beta test, but he like had a heart attack, yeah, and exactly. so he's like dead outside. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like working with the system because you're actually trapped and 
you have no access to like contacting. But I think that's the one where you get back to the original lobby, but it's actually the clone of the lobby, and then it really messes with you. Oh, yeah. we finally finished the escape room. No, we're still trapped in the escape room. <laughs> <laughs> this is also the escape room that you think you paid for forty five minutes, but it's actually an hour and a half. Yeah, exactly. Non-consensual <laughs> escape rooms are extremely problematic. Well, okay, no, no, hang on. Non-consensual <laughs> escape rooms can take many forms. Like an escape room that you paid 45 minutes and it actually takes 90 minutes is actually kind of non-consent. Oh, yeah, that's Unless what I mean. Yeah, oh, right, yeah. Totally. Good. Is, this is a, a, a problem. Or maybe the opt-in paperwork is like, you're paying for an experience that could take anywhere between 45 to 90 minutes. <laughs> to 90 days. Get ready. I don't know. I really want the meta escape room. Hmm... I think this is the meta escape room. Well, deal with it. Yeah, I think so. Good. Escape room where you're on a podcast with no moderator. <laughs> <laughs> uh...